0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Today is the fifth and final Sunday of the Easter season. Known in our traditional circles as Rogation Sunday. Every year on the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday prior to Ascension Day, we have these days called Rogation Days. And today is called Rogation Sunday because it's the Sunday which precedes these three Rogation Days. And I put a a little bit of that information and introduction to Rogation Sunday in your bulletin. So I'm not going to repeat it all here and now, but basically the word rogation comes from a Latin word, and it generally means asking or petitioning. And these three rogation days through the centuries have traditionally been days of prayer. The gospel lesson appointed for this liturgical day follows that same theme. Deacon Wyatt read for us earlier from John chapter 16. And therein we read, Jesus said unto his disciples, verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. And we can see the relation of that passage to the word rogation and rogation days. But to understand more fully, we must also think about them in the context of the whole of the Easter season. As I said in my opening sentence, today is the last Sunday of Easter. This Thursday, we have Ascension Day, as I announced, which kicks off 10 days of Ascension Tide. And two weeks from today, we have Pentecost, or the descent of the Holy Spirit. And then we have Trinity Sunday after that. But today is the fifth and the final Sunday of Easter. And today's lessons really serve as a conclusion of a series of Easter lessons. A body of collective lessons, which set before us the meaning and blessings of Jesus' resurrection And the implication of that for our own new lives in him. In the gospel lessons over the past month, we saw Christ breathe on the disciples and say, my peace I give to you. We heard him speak of the one sheepfold under the good shepherd, Deacon Wyatt preached that week, where he personally knows each of his sheep by name and where he protects his sheep. We heard of the eternal joy that shall come and that that joy no man Can take away. We heard the great news of the Comforter, which is to come, the Holy Spirit which shall come and walk alongside of us in our journey, who shall preach and teach Christ in and through us. And today we hear the promise of provision. Ask, and ye shall receive. Ask, and the risen and ascended Lord himself shall pray the Father for you. These are lessons we heard. And while the gospel was showing us all the blessings of his atoning work for us, the epistles have been providing us with practical exhortations of how we are to live in the world, but not be of the world. Of how we are to live the new life according to the resurrection. All all, these series of lessons since Easter have been an answer to the question, what does it mean for us to live the Easter reality? What does it mean to be risen with Christ? The epistle lesson for today in like manner as last week comes from the epistle of St. James. Epistle of St. James centers a lot more on behavior rather than on belief. I mean, I guess you could say it's more practical than it is theological. And St. James' point isn't to discount belief or to elevate works, but rather to say that the Christian life is a life where these two, where minds and bodies, where words and works, where faith and action go hand in hand with each other. James writes this, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You do well to believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the devils also believe and tremble. But do you want to know what, O foolish man? That faith without works is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James' point is, is really very simple. Saying the creed is one thing. Living the creed. Is something else acknowledging the fact of jesus's resurrection is one thing living his risen life in ourselves is another or to use james own word that we we heard today in our epistle be doers of the word and not hearers only or we might consider this in the words of saint paul he wrote it this way in colossians chapter three if ye then be risen with christ Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. In other words, measure your attitudes, make your judgments, shape your behavior, all with heaven in view. And not with your earthly life in view. Live a resurrected life. And a surefire way to help us keep that perspective, and a surefire way to help us keep God first, a surefire way to help us be doers of the Word, a surefire way to live that resurrected life, is through prayer, through what this whole rogation idea entails. Prayer is really about relationship. It's about the child of God in relationship with his or her father. It's about opening up your life to God. And inviting him into all aspects of that life, both good and bad. Prayer is not just a, about a shopping list of wants or desires or about needs and requests, but a way of, of expressing our heart to God in the same way we pour our hearts out to those closest loved ones. As one hymn puts it, prayer is the soul's sincere desire. And sure, that includes requests, but it includes so much more. I mean, you've heard me say these words before, but it bears repeating. When you're grieved, include God. When you're elated, include God. When you're hurting, include God. When you're thankful, include God. When you're lonely, include God. When you're overwhelmed, include God. When you're angry, include God. When you're depressed, include God. I mean, think about King David. That's what he did. That's where we get most of our psalms. The Christian life cannot be filled with joy unless it includes God in it all. And God is most willing to listen. All in all, prayer is one of the most formative parts of the Christian life. I mean, that's why most of our worship is prayer. And not just hymns or scriptures or long sermons. Prayer is a means of strength. Prayer is a means of comfort. Prayer is a means of support. Prayer helps put things in perspective. Prayer teaches us that all that we have comes from God's gracious hand. Prayer teaches us that we're limited in what we can do for ourselves. Prayer teaches us steadfastness. Prayer teaches us understanding. Prayer teaches us patience. Prayer teaches us virtue. Prayer teaches us that it's God's will that matters and not our own. But most importantly, prayer teaches us of our new life that we have in God through Jesus' resurrection. We're not alone. We're not helpless. We have his peace. We have his protection. We have his joy. We have his promise. We have his presence. So, beloved, on this last Sunday of Easter, on this Rogation Sunday and the upcoming Rogation Days, pray. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stmkaty.org.